0: Welcome to Murder Minute. Today, the disappearance of Tara Calico. But first, your true crime headlines. A North Carolina man is facing felony charges for falsely claiming that he had the coronavirus. 31-year-old Justin M. Rhodes walked through a Walmart telling people that he, quote, definitely tested positive for COVID-19 and stated that, quote, If I got it, you all got it, while touching items around the store. Police were able to determine that Rhodes did not have the virus, and he is now facing charges of felony perpetrating a hoax in a public building and disorderly conduct. Rhodes recorded the prank on Facebook Live, and the video has been viewed more than 3 million times. In central Virginia, a trial is underway for 53-year-old Michael Wayne Stevens, who faces multiple charges of forcible sodomy and indecent liberties with a child. Stevens, who was accused of molesting four different children between 1998 and 2008, was tried for the same charges last month, but a mistrial was declared after the jurors heard information that they were not supposed to hear. Despite the COVID-19 pandemic, which has stalled activity in courthouses around the country, Commonwealth Attorney Kerry Gussman decided to move on with the retrial, citing the defendant's right to a speedy trial and a jury trial. Judge Michael McKinney has ordered some precautions be taken to attempt to adhere to social distancing guidelines. Each potential juror had their temperature taken before entering the courtroom and three were sent home because of higher-than-normal temperature readings. He spread the jurors out, seating some in the jury box and others in regular courtroom seating, so that no one must sit too close to another. A courthouse employee has been regularly wiping down and sanitizing the courtroom during breaks in the trial, which is expected to last three days. The sentencing for Jeremy Christian, which was scheduled for March 27th in Oregon's Multnomah County Circuit Court, has been postponed indefinitely due to the coronavirus. Christian, 37, was found guilty last month for killing two men and injuring a third on a Portland MAX train in 2017. Christian was convicted of murder, attempted murder, assault, intimidation, unlawful use of a weapon, and menacing. The verdict was unanimous on all counts. Declaring that there was no way to accommodate social distancing for Christian's sentencing, the court decided to postpone the hearing, but no rescheduled date has been chosen. Christian is facing a possible sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, Tara Calico. But first, a quick break. If you're smart, and we know you are, chances are you're self-quarantined somewhere, looking for a killer new series to binge. Look no further than The Lost Tapes, a riveting non-fiction series that can be streamed on Smithsonian Channel Plus, a new service that has all the original series and documentaries about crime, mystery, history, science, and pop culture that you'll need to get through the apocalypse. Witness the terror behind the kidnapping of Patty Hearst, follow the infamous manhunt for the son of Sam, experience the capture of the 2002 DC sniper, and much more. The Lost Tapes lets you experience the events of yesterday in real time. As if it were happening today, with the help of rare radio broadcasts, classified government documents, archival imagery, and on-the-ground news reports, The Lost Tapes makes shocking events from the 20th century feel immediate again, and is helping me escape the shocking events of this century. I know my true crime, but the never-before-seen footage in The Lost Tapes blew my mind. Skip the fake news. Watch commercial-free now on Smithsonian Channel Plus, where all of the programming is fact-checked for accuracy by experts. Visit GetSCPlus.com MM to get 50% off your first three months of Smithsonian Channel Plus. That's GetSCPlus.com MM for 50% off your first three months. Check out Smithsonian Channel Plus today. Social distancing can get pretty lonely, so now more than ever, I need Best Fiends. Best Fiends is the app that engages my brain with challenging but fun puzzle games, and helps me escape my apartment and enter a beautiful world of deserts, frozen hills, and cute animated characters. The game is simple. The good guys are the bugs, and the bad guys are the slugs. Complete the puzzles to defeat the slugs as you travel through the world of minutia, unlocking new fiends along the way. Like Tantrum, the dung beetle, Edward, the mosquito, Jean, the centipede, and my best fiend, Pop, the axolotl. With over 3,000 levels and new monthly updates, the adventure will never run out. This is my pandemic must play. So the next time you need a break from the news cycle, Download Best Fiends free in the App Store or Google Play and find out why this addictive five-star app has over a hundred million downloads. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. You'll thank me. Welcome back to Murder Minute. It was 9.30 a.m., on the morning of Tuesday, September 20th, 1988, when 19-year-old Tara Calico left her home to go for her daily bike ride along New Mexico State Road 47. She and her mother Patty knew the route well. Most days, the two rode together, but lately Patty had been skipping rides. Patty was nervous after a recent incident in which a car had driven too close to her deliberately and aggressively, passing her multiple times. She was so disturbed by the incident that she advised her daughter to carry mace with her on bike rides. But Tara, like most teenagers, thought her mother was overreacting. As she walked out the door, Tara joked to her mother that if she wasn't home by noon, to come looking for her, because she had a tennis date with her boyfriend at 12.30 and she didn't want to miss it. But Tara never came home. Patty drove up and down their bike route, searching for her daughter. She had disappeared. Patty called the police. A search party combed through the area, but Tara and her bike were nowhere to be found. No one saw Tara leave with anyone, willingly or unwillingly but several witnesses described seeing a light-colored Ford pickup truck with a camper shell following closely behind her. Pieces of Tara's Walkman and a cassette tape were later discovered by police scattered along the roadside. Patty was convinced that Tara had been abducted and that her daughter had dropped the pieces deliberately in an effort to leave a trail. With little to go on, police began to question Patty and her husband, John, about Tara's home life. Police thought, or maybe hoped, that the 19-year-old had run away from home, a theory that Tara's family quickly shot down. There was just so much she wanted to fit into a day, said Tara's stepfather, John. She was like a little machine. It was amazing. Then... On June 15, 1989, nine months after Tara Calico had vanished, a mysterious Polaroid picture was found in a convenience store parking lot 1,500 miles from where Tara had disappeared, in Port St. Joe, Florida. The disturbing photo showed a young woman and an adolescent boy bound and gagged, lying on sheets and a pillow, in the back of what appeared to be a white van. The woman who found the Polaroid immediately called the police. She had seen a white, windowless Toyota cargo van parked in the spot when she entered the store, so they couldn't have gone far. The woman told police that the driver appeared to be a man in his thirties with a mustache. Police quickly set up roadblocks to intercept the vehicle but were unsuccessful. The vehicle and its driver were never found. In July of 1989, Patty began receiving phone calls. Friends of hers had seen the Polaroid picture on a television show, A Current Affair, and believed that the young woman in the photo looked like Tara. According to Polaroid, The photo had to have been taken between May and June of 1989 when it was found, because that particular film stock hadn't been introduced to the public before May of 1989. The girl in the photo had a scar on her leg, just like the one Tara had gotten in a car accident, and a paperback book next to her, V. C. Andrews' My Sweet Audrina, was one of Tara's favorite books. Patty was convinced that it was her daughter. She used to keep herself fixed up, Patty said of her daughter's appearance when looking at the young woman in the Polaroid. Before the perm, without the makeup, I got out the old pictures and it's her. Tara's friend, Cynthia, agreed. It's her, everything, the features, everything. But who was the little boy? Michael Henley Jr. was nine years old when he disappeared on a camping trip with his family in the Zuni Mountains, about 70 miles west of Albuquerque, New Mexico, in April of 1988, just a few months before Tara's disappearance. When the Henley family saw the Polaroid on television, they contacted the police. The majority of the family believes that that's Michael, Henley Sr. said. Michael's best friend believes that's Michael. His sister believes it's Michael. It's the best lead we've had in 16 months, said Sheriff Ed Craig. Scotland Yard took a crack at examining the photo and concluded that the girl in the Polaroid was indeed Terra Calico. Experts at the Los Alamos National Laboratory, however, doubted that it was her. And the FBI's examination was inconclusive. Both families waited anxiously for news, but only one received an answer. In 1990, Michael Henley's remains were discovered in New Mexico's Zuni Mountains, just seven miles from the campsite where he disappeared. Investigators concluded that he had most likely wandered off, got lost, and died of exposure, long before the photo was ever taken. The boy in the Polaroid was not Michael Henley. But was the girl Tara Calico? The case went cold. In 2003, Patty, John, and Tara's siblings decided to move 2,000 miles from their home in New Mexico to Florida. It was a move that they had wanted to make for years, they had been hesitant to leave in case there was a break in Tara's case. After over a decade of tips that led nowhere, and appearances on Oprah, Unsolved Mysteries, and 48 Hours appealing to the public for help finding their daughter, they decided it was time to move forward. Patty said that at their home in New Mexico, quote, There's not anything I can do that doesn't remind me of Tara. Patty died in Port Charles, Florida at the age of 64 in May of 2006 from complications from a series of strokes. Her husband, John, said that Patty had developed severe dementia and wasn't able to speak for the last year of her life. We passed notes back and forth for about eight months, but after that, it was more difficult to communicate, John said. She was still concerned and she still expected Tara to walk in at any time. Patty never gave up hope that her daughter may be alive, but John said that he'd felt for years that Tara didn't survive what happened to her. Patty knew I felt that way, but she continued to hope to hear from her, John said. We would discuss it frequently, and I would tell her my reasons that if she was able to, she would have contacted us. And being that so much time has gone by, I didn't think it was practical that she was still alive. Another person who never gave up trying to find answers is Valencia County Sheriff René Rivera. Rivera wasn't on the force when Tara initially disappeared, but began his career the following year. I've actually been working on this case ever since I started with the Sheriff's Department in 1989, Rivera told the Valencia County News Bulletin. People would come up to me and give me information, and I would write a report and turn it over to the detective who was working the case. Once I got into detectives in 1996, the case was given to me. Rivera didn't believe that the girl in the Polaroid was Tara. I don't think it's her, Rivera said of the picture. It does resemble her quite a bit, but I don't think it's her. Perhaps that's because of a new development in 2008 when Sheriff Rene Rivera made an announcement. Rivera said that he knew what happened to Tara Calico and who did it. Rivera didn't name the suspects, but he said that they were two men, teenagers at the time of Tara's disappearance, who were following her on her bike when an accident happened. Rivera said that these two men had been following Tara, grabbing at her, trying to talk to her. The information I have is that the truck accidentally ended up hitting her, Rivera said. I believe the truck bumped her bike, at which time she fell on the side of the road. From there, the individuals took her. Apparently, they panicked when Tara threatened to call the police, killed her, and afterward, had help disposing of her body. But without remains, Rivera said he couldn't make an arrest. Tara's stepfather, John, was furious when he heard Rivera's claims. There's such a thing as circumstantial evidence, John said, and I know in other places they've gotten a conviction on strong circumstantial evidence. John believed that there was no reason for the sheriff to publicly announce his suspicions if he wasn't prepared to arrest the suspects. Today, Tara Calico has been missing for 31 years and 6 months. In October of 2019, the FBI announced that it's offering a $20,000 reward for information that could lead to her whereabouts or an arrest and conviction of those responsible. Tara had her entire future ahead of her when she vanished, said James Langenberg of the Albuquerque FBI Division. Law enforcement has never given up the search for this young lady, checking out numerous tips and conducting countless interviews over the course of more than 30 years. But it's time for someone to come forward and help us finally bring Tara home. Tara Calico was last seen on a neon pink Huffy mountain bike, and was wearing a white t-shirt with First National Bank of Belen on it, white shorts with green stripes, white ankle socks, and white and turquoise tennis shoes. If you or someone you know has any information about the disappearance of Terra Calico, contact the Valencia County Sheriff's Office at 505-866-2400 or the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime, anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.